0: Hey, y'all, this is Barn. I just want to put something out there. Yes, I am a mental health therapist. And yes, my couch is quite comfortable. However, if you're listening to this podcast, it is not a substitute for a therapeutic relationship with a certified or licensed mental health therapist. So though I appreciate you taking the time out to listen to me and hopefully gain some information and insight about what's going on with you from listening to this podcast, Take the time to seek out mental health resources in your area if you so need to. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy. You want the last piece, why did you ask me if I want a last piece? First of all, piece? I didn't ask you. But the reason I asked Mike the same reason you asked Lisa to marry. It sounds nice. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> cool. that's cool. <laughs> I thought y'all was going to be happy about me having second thoughts. And The way y'all was treating me when I first asked her. Oh, what the fuck is that supposed to mean? Man, when I said that maybe I might move, what happened? Man, why are you busting up the groove, man? The brothers, the wood, the wood. Look, I just don't think you need to be following the woman. right, she should get a job and move where you are. Nigga, be a man. Man, I'm a man. That's that's bull, Okay? It's like, she has a good job, so I'm going to go and follow her. Nigga, you need some panties. (laughs) Mike, will you tell this ignorant Negro, please? Well, I'll put it to you this way. I see what you're saying? Mm. Miss Slim got a point. No, I mean, Alicia, she could talk out here, too. Her. Oh, thank you. What thank about you. Alicia? What about Alicia? Nigga, <laughs> that was high school, man. She went to Columbia. I got an SC. Uh-huh. Case closed. All right. I think you also got into NYU. Uh, New York University. Damn. he's right. So now what? <laughs> give me some fruit salad. No, oh, no, stay. Let's talk about this. This had a salad. Let's talk about Alicia. <laughs> Lying, bitch. <laughs> Well, though, this is your home. We've been together in the wood for years. You talking about leaving? Shit, we barely kick it as it is. So I'm getting married, man. But nigga, what time so I can be there? Man, nobody got on you when you went away to Italy. Nobody said a damn thing. That was to play ball, bro. I love ball. So? I love Lisa. Then why are we sitting here not at the wedding room? <laughs> All right, guys. Just so we're clear. We're spinning the pizza to see who gets the last slice, and I win. I got Candace Patton. Hey, guys, what's going on? Welcome back to the Captain's Couch. It's your host, Byron. Thank y'all so much again for coming back and joining me here on the show. Um, Today, I'm actually recording a little bit later in the weekend than I normally do, but I would be remiss since it is recording on September 2nd that I would like to shout out my, uh, pop mother and father, um, and Karen at the black aisle tips. Um, thank y'all so much for your inspiration, for your authenticity, your honesty, um, and helping me get to this point in my life and my journey, um, to help me learn how to love myself more and, know that i deserve to be as happy as i give out that happiness to other people um and thank you so much for the podcast group um i know y'all that haven't been in it and i know the group has had its ups and downs and stuff but thank y'all for creating that space where that has allowed me to make so many friends in the past couple of years um friends whether that be uh wound god and my, my boys through space wakanda whether that be um D or Summer or um Marion, Boy Marion or Girl Marion, um Lemon Pepper Wet Wet, Cook, all y'all guys, whether that be uh Jay, the double B's, um, and eventually my girlfriend. So without this without the group and without blackout tips listening to the podcast and learning how to grow and learning how to understand what was best for me um it helped me so much along the way to where i'm to this point right now so thank you guys happy anniversary um to you rod and karen um and happy uh tbgwt day to all of us out there in house jackson that are celebrating with y'all today. So today's podcast. Oh, I'm sorry, before I actually get into the episode, I got a five star review from the homie uh Quantessential on uh iTunes said five stars. There are very few self-help podcasts I can get through. This is one that I can. I love the angles that he takes on a topic. Great podcast, man. Yo, shout out, uh shout out to you, uh appreciate the Quan, with them uh the them light brown eyes. I see you, bro. Appreciate the love, man. Thanks for listening. Uh, so this week, we'll continue back on the conversation that we a topic that I sort of mentioned last week and we'll pick up on it this week. So this week's topic, we're gonna to talking about emotional intelligence and what that makes up. Why is it good and how it actually can be very bad? in ways that we see how it can be very bad. Um, So this is actually something that I've been discussing with a couple of my clients um, recently um, in therapy that emotional intelligence is something that as a young black kid or just a man in general, a person in general, but especially as a young black men, that is something that they need to develop. Um, Now, one of the biggest things with, uh, emotional intelligence is it is your ability to recognize your own emotions and the emotions of the people who are around you. Um, Knowing how you feel, how you respond to things, how other people respond to you um, helps you manage your relationships, helps you understand the emotions and the feelings that other people express based upon the things that you are presenting to them the individual who you are that you're showing them um one of the things that i have noticed in therapy that and it mentions in this article here from abernathy which is entitled emotional intelligence of the black male um we talked about he talked about uh Brandon Jones, who was a personal development aficionado. um, He talked about some of the feelings that we as black people were feeling when President Obama was getting ready to leave office, how we felt that sense of confusion and fear and anger for a lot of us um, at, you know, the, the result of the election and so far in the past three years, obviously, well, two and a half years, obviously we feel that sense of frustration and anger at the um, utter just idiocy of the administration that has preceded President Obama. Um, being in touch with those feelings allows you to know that how your emotional intelligence, how the situation is affecting you, and how you are expressing your feelings and your emotions towards other people, especially the people around you, especially maybe you know the people who did not like President Obama or didn't support him or support, Pres- you know, 45 and how those feelings may make you feel, knowing how you feel or how you're reacting to those things, how it is affecting your relationships are signs of emotional intelligence. Um, one thing I notice in therapy is that trauma that my kids experience are, is one of the things that holds them back from developing quality emotional intelligence skills. Um someone's childhood trauma often distorts their ability to develop critical thinking skills or the ability to learn how to properly manage your skills or trust people or express your emotions in ways that are healthy. so we look at four different competencies of emotional intelligence, right. Four things that we want to address when it comes to building emotional intelligence and that when we rate emotional intelligence, the emotional intelligence quotient of individuals, we're looking at these four things, right? First things first, we're looking for social awareness or self-awareness. Social awareness is one of them, but we'll start with self-awareness. Self-awareness, being able to recognize your own moods, your emotions, what drives you. Um and this is true. This article reads like you may be surprised, surprised at how often men say I don't know to simple questions about what they're feeling. And for me as a therapist. I, I, I try to allow my kids some leeway as they're trying to figure out their feelings or what drove them to make a decision as they well, especially if it's a negative decision. But I know I've, I do get frustrated at times and express to them as like, hey, you know, you made this decision. There's something inside of you that drove you to make this decision. So I need you to figure out what it is that made you pick this course of action. So maybe the first time I ask a kid, I may allow them to say, I don't know as to why they did something. But over time, I may readdress the situation and then ask them again why they did this in order to if they've got an opportunity to understand feelings and emotions more and identifying them more, then they may have a better answer. Um, If you don't know yourself, you are lost in life. If you do not know who you are, if you do not know what you're feeling or how to put your feelings and emotions in proper context or even in words, verbalizing them, whether that's written word, emotionally expressive word, even in... Actions, but I do often tell my clients to be very careful about expressing their emotions through actions because those actions can tend to be dangerous. Um, Opportunities for self-discovery are within your fingertips, especially in the digital age where we can Google, why am I sad? Or is it okay to cry for a man to cry? Things like that. When we have opportunities to look up you know, whether that be, what does grief look like? What does depression look like? What is, how does bipolar disorder look? Um, having opportunities to understand what is going on with you are vital to healthy development as a individual. Self-management. Um, we understand, once we have an idea of who we are and we understand what we're feeling, then we have to develop the ability to control and redirect our impulses, our attitudes and behaviors. Um, developing proactive strategies and tactics will prepare you to have better reactive uh, or, or much better. So being proactive and saying like, okay, I'm upset. I should walk away and just go chill out for a little while. Even if I'm in a heated argument with my girlfriend or my wife, look, you know, I don't want to argue about this. I say maybe we just both need to take a time out and calm down and we'll talk about this later when we're both cool or if I'm upset like look I hear what you're saying I I get it I get that I'm not reacting in the best way possible I'm like angry so let me remove myself so that I don't cause more damage to this relationship in this situation and allow myself to calm down and come back and I can probably hear you more clearly um developing proactive strategies such as like maybe going to therapy taking medication um deep breathing guided meditation reading journaling um exercise yoga are better tactics than reactive ones such as yelling screaming trying to manipulate people's emotions which we will talk about later on um avoidance um projection some of the Cognitive distortions we talked about last week that we sometimes then use on other people, um, minimizing someone's point of view or, you know, uh, magnif- magnifying a situation and blowing it out of proportions. Um, these are all reactive strategies that we may use if we're not properly managing ourselves and building more proactive strategies. Social awareness. Um, black men must be aware of how other people are reacting and anticipate how like how we are likely to respond we have to acknowledge things like anti-blackness especially in the work environment or and this during this administration Um, we have to recognize things like how our spouses react or our partner is reacting to things that we're doing, how we are reacting to the things that other people around us are doing, whether that's our spouse, if they're upset and they're mad about something, um, not trying to gaslight her making it seem like now suddenly she's making all this crazy stuff up. Um, actually, listening and being responsive and accountable. If we mess up, um, knowing how, what we do affects other people is a critical part of social awareness. And then last thing is relationship skills. Um, it's vital for us as black men to learn how to manage relationships and build networks Um, many times with other ethnic groups we need to I don't see I like this article but yet I don't in a little in some ways a bit now I know this isn't necessarily from a purely psychological perspective but when we look at relationship skills let's just look at our actual interpersonal relationships learn how to communicate your feelings is a vital relationship skill. Um, Learning how to normalize feelings, anxiety, self-doubt, sadness, anger, fear, loneliness, helplessness, hopelessness. Um, Learning how to teach younger people, especially younger men, how to normalize and express these negative emotions is vital to personal development over time. Um, And it's vital to relationship skills. If you are in a situation where you are feeling sad or lonely or helpless at times, learn how to verbalize those things instead of Withdrawing or running away from the situation or sabotaging it because you don't know how to handle things um, is something that you vitally need to learn how to do um, when it comes to relationship skills, building trust, managing trust, um, maintaining healthy boundaries, um, respecting the boundaries of other people. These are these are relationship skills that are necessary. And those they're, they're all they're relationship skills that I help you build networks with other people because they'll see that you're a kind of well put together individual who is doing their part in order to try to build bridges, you know, do positive work for other people. Um When you're respectful, when you are honest, when you're forthcoming, when you are um, responsible, accountable, dependable. You can build networks and manage relationships much better than if you are not doing those things. So we look at some more signs of what is high intelligence. Uh, high emotional intelligence, right? And why these things are important and these are healthy things, right? So let's think about, break down those, those four concepts. And the four concepts we talk about, social awareness, self-awareness, relationship skills, and social uh, and self-management, sorry, and self-management. So when we look at those four things, four, uh, sorry, 13 signs here. This is from, um, Inc. Yeah. Inc. Dot com. Uh, Justin Basario wrote this, um, author of EQ applied emotional quotient applied, um, We look at 13 key concepts that show high emotional intelligence. And the last one is an interesting one, which will actually help segue to the flip side of this, this concept, right? So 13 signs of high emotional intelligence. Number one, you think about feelings. Um, This is where social and self-awareness come in, where you recognize the feeling, your own feelings, and their impact on yourself and other people. Um, you think about things like, what are my emotional strengths? What are my emotional weaknesses? Um, So my emotional strengths would be um, compassion, um, nurturing, um, being emotionally forthcoming, um, being emotionally expressive. um, I would say authentic, for the most part, and I think a lot of people would often see me as someone who is very authentic, who, what you see on the surface of me is what you absolutely get of me. Um, Where I'm emotionally weak at is disappointing people. Disappointing people, um, setting boundaries that may disappoint somebody else, or expressing myself in a way that may not come up to be May it may, may either disagree with how somebody else feels or may disagree with what somebody else wants. Um, I'm not someone who feels very comfortable hurting other people's feelings, um, and that's a struggle on my part emotionally. And I know that is very unavoidable. And I know sometimes that where I may be right in a situation, it's going to contradict how somebody else is feel, how somebody else feels, or even in the situation with my marriage, where I felt like this was absolutely what was best for me. I put it off for a very long time because honestly I didn't want to hurt my ex-wife's feelings, even though mine were being very much hurt throughout the course of the situation. Um, uh, but that is something that I, I have had an emotional struggle with is setting boundaries that may disappoint somebody else or falling short in a situ, in a way that disappoints someone else. Um, Something else we look at is how my current mood is affecting my thoughts and my decision making. Um, what's going on under the surface that affects what others say or do. Um, number two, you pause. It's simply to take a moment to stop and think before you say or act. Um, we're not perfect about this. In other words, pausing helps you refrain from making a permanent decision based on a temporary emotion. Or sometimes pausing just helps you not blurt out stuff that you're supposed to not say out loud. Sorry. That's what happens when you have ADHD. Sometimes that impulse to say something, what you think, immediately just flies out of your mouth. And sometimes you get yelled at for that. Uh, Number three, you strive to control your thoughts. Um, You don't have much control over the emotions you experience at a given moment, but you can't control your reaction to those emotions and how you think about those emotions. Um, By striving to control your thoughts, you resist becoming a slave to your emotions. You allow yourself to live in a way that is in harmony with your goals and your values. Uh, Number four, you benefit from criticism. Nobody, I know I don't, enjoys negative feedback. But you need criticism sometimes. It is an opportunity for you to learn. Even if the person who is presenting the criticism doesn't give it to you in the best possible way, criticism is an opportunity to allow you to learn. Um, even if it's unfounded, it gives you a window into how others think. Um, when you receive negative feedback, keep your emotions in check and ask yourself, How can this make me better? And if it If the negative feedback really can't, then, you know, maybe that's something you could address down the road with the person who gave you the feedback. Um, You show authenticity. Um, Authenticity doesn't mean sharing everything about yourself to everyone all the time, but it does say what you mean and you mean what you say. Um, You know, not everyone will appreciate sharing your thoughts and feelings, but the ones who do appreciate it are the ones who matter the most you demonstrate empathy which is number six Um, the ability to show empathy which understands the thoughts and the feelings of other people help you connect with those people understanding or instead of judging a label in other people you are hard to see those people through your own eyes and experiences Empathy doesn't necessarily mean agreeing with the other person's per, point of view. Um, rather, it is striving to understand, which allows you to build deeper deeper, uh, deeper and more connected relationships. And that's important in interpersonal relationships with the women in our lives. It's showing empathy to their point of view, even if you don't agree with it. Empathy is a way to still show respect for the person's perspective, even if you have different points of view about how they're expressing things or how they're going about it. Or even if that point of view is different now, so long as the point of view is not damaging or hurtful um, to you in particular, allowing person, someone, the, the grace to show them empathy um, goes a long way with helping build relationships. Um, You show, you praise other people. Um, When you are showing emotional intelligence, um, you are allowing yourself to praise someone else and show them appreciation and acknowledgement for the things that they are doing positively. Um, This all begins when you focus on the good in other people, then by sharing uh, specifically what you appreciate about that person, you inspire people to be the best versions of themselves. Um, you give helpful feedback. You apologize. And this is a big one. I know a lot of people who don't never want to apologize for anything. But if you are a high emotionally intelligent person, you learn how to apologize. Because honestly, let's be real. And this is a reason why a lot of people do not want to apologize. It takes strength and courage to be able to say you're sorry. For a lot of people, it is difficult for them to be vulnerable enough to be in a situation where they will say to you, I was wrong. I am sorry. It is brave. It is courageous and it shows strength to be both vulnerable and vulnerable in a way that shows that you are sorry for the things that you did. You forgive and you forget. It's number 10, um, hanging on to resentment is like leaving a knife inside a wound. Um, while the person who hurt you often tends to move on with their life, um, you never give yourself the chance to heal. When you forgive and forget, um, other people, well, uh, when you forgive and forget, you pretend you prevent others from holding your emotions hostage. Allowing yourself to move on, and I know this is one that's hard for uh, for a lot of people, where we forgive but we don't forget, and I can I can understand that for sure. Um, if you are forgiven and allowing yourself to move forward, doesn't necessarily mean you are going to forget what happens, because even I'm guilty of that, where I might have forgiven somebody for something that they've done to me, but I have not forgotten what happened. I don't hold it over them, but certainly in my mind, I. Definitely know that that experience is there. Number eleven, you keep your commitments. Um, I know this is sometimes hard for people to do, but um, so say if I want to, if I schedule an online date, like hey, we're gonna watch The Office tonight. You know, I do my best to try to keep my commitment, and if I can't, then express that. Let somebody know, hey. Hey, boo, I can't make it tonight. Something came up at work, yada, yada, yada. Um, But do your absolute best to keep your commitments. It's common nowadays for somebody to break an agreement or a commitment when they feel like it. Of course, bailing on a Netflix date um, is less harmful than breaking a promise to your child or missing a major business deadline. And number 11 is going to come in very important when I talk about the clip today. Um, Number 12, you help others. One of the greatest ways to positively impact the emotions. One of the greatest ways to positively impact the emotions of others is to help them. Um, and it's actually a good way to help uh, emo- to, like positively impact your own emotions. When we help others, when we are charitable to others, and it's something that the, the Bible often preaches on is being charitable to other people. When you are charitable and you help others, Those actions build trust and inspire other people to follow your lead. And oftentimes when you help others, when you are helpful to other people, you gain trust and you gain grace from those people that in times when you are in need, they're willing to help you. So number 13 is one that I will use the segue into the next part of this. Number 13, you protect yourself from emotional sabotage. When you realize that emotional intelligence also has a dark side, you allow yourself to not fall into that trap. Um, And the dark side of emotional intelligence is when you use your emotional intelligence to manipulate other people's emotions. To promote a personal agenda or for some selfish cause, so let's look at the emotional the the dark side the sith lord side of emotional intelligence um, this is from Dr. Denise Cummings from Psychology Today so um it gives a little brief background about emotional intelligence um. In 1990, psychologist Peter Salovey and John Mayer wrote a seminar, a seminal article on emotional intelligence defining it as the subset of social intelligence that involves the ability to monitor one's and others' feelings and emotions to, discrim- to discriminate among them and to use information to guide one's thoughts and actions. Um it's no doubt that EQ is critical to success in life. So we talked about how emotional uh, emotional quotient or emotional intelligence uh, works right, right? So we talked about that so far, but this is how it goes badly, right? So the problem with emotional intelligence is morally neutral. It can be used to help protect. To help protect or promote oneself for others. Or it can be used to promote oneself at the cost of other people. Um, there is another article here that I f- found. And it is um, written by the Urban Philosopher who is actually T.L. Mayfield who is a LPC and a fourth year doctoral student in marriage and family, uh, therapy who wrote this on a uh, medium where she talked about, um, what emotional intelligence looks like in black men and how it affects black women, um, where she starts the article off at very interesting by not putting these things into words, right? So let's go back real quick to, um, Dr. Cummins real quick and then we'll segue back to uh Miss Mayfield. Um so when we look at um the muscle intelligence in the most extreme form, it is sheer Machiavellianism, the art of socially manipulating others in order to achieve one's selfish end. When used in this way, other people become social tools to be used to push oneself forward at considerable expense to others Um, some people confuse Machiavellianism with psychopathy or even social impairment syndrome such as Asperger's disorder like Sheldon Cooper on the Big Bang Theory who very clearly is an individual who is on the autism spectrum and Asperger's is a autism um, spectrum diagnosis uh, which maybe down the road I'll talk about. I'll have to find a, a black kind of character who may fit the mold of Asperger's. Um, but we'll make this might be something that we might discuss more in depth over time. All right. So here's a handy way to distinguish someone who is using, who is highly emotionally intelligent, but using it in extremely negative ways. Um, an Asperger individual may not know what they're feeling, um, because with Asperger Aspergers, it is an autism spectrum disorder, and that Asperger's disease uh, Asperger's syndrome is where there is a deficit in the emotional kind of thought process behind a person and how their social functioning goes, uh, and how it really how they function kind of in social settings. They are able to function in social settings, but they have kind of weird, awkward social graces, and they don't really know exactly what they may be feeling at any given time or how it may be affecting other people. Um, A sociopath doesn't care about what you're feeling. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. An Asperger's individual may not know what you're feeling. They may not know what you're feeling. They may have an idea of what they may be feeling, but they may not have the social acumen to know what you are feeling in a given situation, which I think is something I noticed with Sheldon, which I don't watch the Big Bang Theory a lot, but I've watched it a couple times where he does kind of say and do things in a way that he doesn't necessarily know how other people are perceiving them. He's just kind of going about doing his thing. And it's not things that he's necessarily doing to hurt people. I think if he does something that actually hurts somebody or like Leonard or Penny might actually say something to him, he may actually respond. But he doesn't necessarily have the mental wiring to initially know exactly what you are feeling without maybe you telling them, telling him what's going on. A sociopath just doesn't care. Uh, But a Machiavellian manipulates your feelings to achieve selfish ends. So when we look at this article on Medium, um, what well, we talk, what she's talking about here, and she opens up the article. And this is kind of more editorialized, but also, after I read it a couple times, I understand exactly where she's coming from when she got to this point here, um, where she starts the article by saying, "We're always pleased to see women coming to Jesus when these, when their pastors open up the doors of the church." But we do not expect them, but what we don't expect is them giving more than their souls. There's also the strange questioning as as to how do pimps get such large following of women who are willing to sell their bodies only to return the profits to the pimps. Um, I know we're sharing some of the same feelings on how some women get caught up in schemes from such powerful men in leadership, authoritative positionings however it see, it's seemingly ironic how these creators of such sayings are the ones who draw inspiration from their self-help books self-titled books on prostitutes or the many groupies that they've had during their rap careers it's even more alarming to see these men profit off of The emotions of women who are longing for male guidance on relationship issues. We can leave out. (laughs) And this is where I like saw exactly where she was going with this article. When I read it again, because at first I was like, what is she talking about here? But now I understand why. What she's talking about in this article is the dark side of emotional intelligence. What she's listing off here is how the emotional intelligence of highly emotionally intelligent black men is used in a machiavellian way to manipulate the feelings and emotions of black women and eventually trails into emotional abuse, whether that is coming from gaslighting or emotional intimidation um, withholding of emotion or things like say uh, we can leave out the former comedian who became who becomes who has become love advisors or spiritual leaders leading us all to salvation and sex after 90 days, or we can forget about our chest pumping gorillas who participate (laughs) in pseudo research studies with their pseudo degrees just so they could communicate to our black men where black women's responsibility lies in society. Oh, so That one there, I'll just lay that one out. Um, There will be a day where I have a conversation about Umar Johnson and his stance on ADHD and how ADHD is being used to destroy the black man. I will... Because there's an article I found and a quote that I read that he said that, man... That dude is just awful. So, yeah, he is a person who is very much, very high on the emotional IQ rating scale. So if you think about what he in general is doing, he is a black man who is purportedly offering research in science as a school psychologist and the realm of emotional disturbances and ADHD when it comes to young boys. He is a quote-unquote thought leader in the community who has, you know, continuously expressed a, a much-needed avenue for black people in the field of mental health research. But oftentimes it is done so at, as a means to push his continually personal agenda where he is essentially laying the blame of what is going on with young black youth with SARS things like ADHD and mental health at the feet of black women. And there's an article that I will, matter of fact, let me, let me find it. I actually have it on my phone. Ah, uh, yes, here he is. Um, news one. Um, and this is from four years ago. ADHD wars against black boys. Dr. Umar Johnson details how to combat misdiagnosing the learning disorder. ADHD is not a learning disorder. That's for foreign foremost. It's not a learning disorder. It may have an impact on how young children learn because of their inability to um, properly take in information and not react without thinking. It can impact how young kids um, behave in the classroom because of an inability to focus, an inability to think about their thoughts and think about what they're feeling without spontaneously acting it can absolutely have an impact on how children learn because of how impulsive they may be but in general it is not a learning disorder in and of itself because ADHD has an impact on a child far outside of the classroom it has an impact on a child at home it has an impact on a child in church it has an impact on a child in later in life when they get to my age in interpersonal relationships where you may find it difficult to not say things out loud that you shouldn't say. And it is also not something that is just diagnosed just in black boys. I have seen it across the board in every demographic where ADHD is clearly a diagnosis that is seen in all facets of society. So Dr. Umar Johnson went on News one and was interviewed by Roland Martin in this nice suit, and I don't know if he got Beijing in his hair, I can't tell. Um, so Roland Martin interviewed him, not uh, a couple years ago. He says, "When did he, so he says, quote, "ADHD as a diagnosis came to us in the 1980s." It was then called ADD, and 1987, in 1987, the H for hyperactivity was added to ADHD. He added. So, Roland Martin highlighted the fact that most children ages seven to eight are a little hyper, yada yada yada. Um, Now, the thing about that is, with the ADD ADHD diagnosis is we see both of those diagnoses still used today we added the hyperactive part to kind of differentiate the two so that we have a better understanding of the different types of ways that this diagnosis plays out for individuals now i know i went to this whole complete different tangent but it, it just leads to the point i'm going to get to at some point here um so Dr. Johnson went on to discuss the underlying issues associated with the practice identifying the in identifying a diagnosis and African-American boys ADHD saying quote, 97% of public school teachers, charter independent school teachers are female. So you have to look at the female culture of the schoolhouse and how boys cannot adjust adequately to female expectations. They are marginalized. When we look at the criteria for ADHD, Losing things necessary to get your work done, not being able to pay attention, blurting out answers, having excessive energy. That's normal male childhood behavior. But when you come back to school, when you come to school, you're kind of expected to engage in traditional male types of behavior. And if you do, you are stigmatized. And then in comes drug companies. manufacturers of all types of popular anti-stimulant medications who pay a lot who pay a lot for teacher conferences they are fueling the diagnosis they also fund significant they also fund significantly significantly the american physiological and american psychiatric associations so a lot of the money so a lot of this is about money and not treatment Dad, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to say this. Mr. Johnson, you, sir, can kiss my ass. You, sir, are a charlatan. You are a fraud. You have siphoned hundreds of thousands of dollars off of black pain and black need. Promising a school for just black boys and not girls. let's not even begin to think about lgbtq boys and girls you have promised a school for quote-unquote black boys the marcus garvey uh frederick Douglass, i think it was school and you can go look up the the uh thing so you promised the school that you were gonna crowdfund and start several years ago then started another crowdfund, quote unquote, secured a building, the building in which needed absolute tons of repairs and renovations. You then took the time to say, "We need to continue the crowdfund, so that this building can now get renovations and repairs," which is BS compared to what you said. Well' this like seven, eight years ago where you started crowdfunding Is like all this money. We're going to build the school from scratch. We're going to build it. We're going to buy the land, build the facility from the ground up. Turn it to, hey, we found this property. Now we need more money to actually build the property up. That was like a year and a half ago. You, sir, are a charlatan. You are a crook and a fraud. Your name actually isn't even Umar Johnson. Look that up as well you are then saying that we are misdiagnosing and overdiagnosing ADHD as a mental health professional. I have children, black, white, male, female who have had diagnoses of ADHD. Losing your work, not being organized. I've seen that across the board, not just in normal male behavior saying that 97 percent of schools are taught by quote-unquote females and let's not even talk about how we have socialized as a society certain positions and occupations where a hundred something years ago Education was majorly female, woman, sorry, was majorly a woman's occupation because women were nurturers and women were often put in positions where they were teachers. We have socialized things, excuse me, we have often socialized education, healthcare as more feminine jobs whether they be teaching nursing um social work even therapy even psychology which is crazy because when we look at the beginning of psychology it was typically white men who started the schools of thought that built up modern psychology to where it got to a point where you saw more and more and more women infiltrating the field and it became kind of a situation where similar along the lines of teaching where you see much 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 more women and when it comes in the black community you're seeing more probably women actually in the field than black men because we often steer boys away from things like teaching we steer them away from things like social work and counseling and therapy because They involve things like you know emotional intelligence and thinking about, critically thinking about how you feel and how to convey information to other people in order to help them. So where nowadays we are seeing more and more men get engaged in these fields because we understand and know that this is a way that I can give back and help other people. Mr. Johnson here is saying that 97% of Schools are female. 97% of school teachers are female. And that when you go into the classroom, you have to look at female culture at the schoolhouse and how boys cannot adjust adequately to female expectations. They are marginalized. They are not marginalized. You, sir, are a piece of trash. You, sir, are no different than the Tariq and Sheaves of the world that, black women have constantly had to do the emotional legwork for black men that we're seeing this time and time again, where we have stifled the growth of black boys by saying that you are not allowed to feel emotions and you are not allowed to cry. You are not allowed. I had another article where I don't want to read it, but there's another article where there are Letters from black boys expressing trauma that they've experienced, expressing pain that they've gone through, expressing expressing growing up as a youth of learning how to, at some point in their life. Speak about their experiences and speak about their feelings as they grew into men. You have people like Omar Johnson's of the world and Tariq Nishim's of the world who preach all this stupid pseudoscience all the while laying the blame of the issues of black men not knowing how to be emotionally intelligent and vibrant people and being responsible men, laying the, laying the weight of those things on black women and laying the weight of the emotional labor that black men need to do for themselves to get through their trauma that they've experienced in their own lives at the feet of black women and then being mad when black women say, we're not doing that. You're an adult. You figure your own stuff out. I'm not even going to get on the Steve Harvey and, you know, the act like a woman thing, like a man thing. I've been trying to figure out a way of how to talk about Umar Johnson and just how negative the impact of him being in this space of mental, quote-unquote mental health and quote-unquote science and how just detrimental he is. In this field where so much of the stuff is cooked up in just nonsense. Like where you start off with, okay, sure. Pharmaceutical companies do often like to push more so for profit than actual treatment of medication. I mean, the treatment of people and figuring out things. Sure, we can go into the whole big pharma conspiracy theories and all that stuff, blah, 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 blah. But to then turn around and say that those pharmaceutical companies are why we're shelling out pills and stuff like that for um, kids in schools. Look, I work with these kids. A lot of them need them. They need the help. They need absolutely as much help as they can possibly get to help them learn how to be more fully functioning individuals because they're struggling at times. And I I just, that dude frustrates me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm getting on this tangent, but that dude absolutely frustrates me to no end. Every time I see him pop up talking about the quote unquote war on black boys, but yet black girls also get ADHD diagnoses, but you don't seem to care about them, sir. Black girls also need safe spaces to learn and could benefit from schools. Like you're trying to put up for black boys, but you don't think about them at all you you don't care you're doing this for your own selfish means and ultimately you're pocketing money from a community who desperately is asking for the resources that you are claiming to want to say claiming to want to promote but yet when we need those resources to show up you start looking around like i need more money guys i don't have it so you sir absolutely fit the machiavellian fold of a highly intelligent individual who doesn't care and is manipulating the emotions of people who you claim to care about so yeah um that's the negative side of Um, emotional intelligence brought to you in part by my uh utter disdain for umar johnson Um, yeah so let's wrap up with the clip that i put in and it's one of my favorite movies it's the wood yep it's the wood so we have in the scene at towards the end of the movie where Mike and Slim have finally tracked Roland down and Roland threw up in and Mike and Slim's car and their tuxedos. And now the tuxedos are at the uh, the dry cleaners. They got hosed off over at Tanya's house. Um, Ro is running scared, man. Roe's running scared. Um, he's got all this change that's about to happen. He's getting married. Um, as you can see, he's kind of not managed himself well um and the situation. You know, he's kinda taking what Slim said about him moving away and, you know, following Lisa and in a way he is almost about to completely sabotage his future. ro is about to sabotage everything. I mean, he ran away from the wedding, so Slim and Mike had to go track him down. And of course we get all the flashbacks and stuff about them growing up in the wood and everything and it's an interesting conversation where it's it's three black men and I know this is, the movie came out 20 years ago so but it it is something that when we look at like traditional gender roles and how that often still plays out in the black community where slim is nitpicking at 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 rolling for making a very wise decision of like hey my wife got a good job she makes good money. I can go follow her and get another job. Like, I mean, that don't mean we're not going to still be friends, you know, but it makes perfect sense that I go follow her, which he's not wrong at all. You know, of course, Slim absolutely undercuts his conversation, his, his whole argument where he talks about how, you know, he loves basketball and he went to go play overseas. And when Roland was right where, you know, it is a very much double standard that Roland – wants to go move with his wife for one that's going to be something that makes both of them happy it's happy and it's good for their relationship which is what's the most important thing you know it is something that i get that i'm leaving with my friends and my friends are going to be upset that i'm gonna be i'm gonna go, i'm gonna be gone or whatever but we make we all make decent money we can make this work out and spend time with each other somehow you know so Roland make, needs to make the what's best decision for him and his wife for their relationship and financially, if that means him moving with her, then do it. You know, Slim undercuts his own argument by you know, hey, I went out I went out overseas to go play ball. Yeah, I love basketball, and of course it's almost hypocritical because you made all this to do, Slim makes all this to do about Roland and his decisions. That's not to say that Roland's gonna turn around and marry Lisa and then say, hey, we're gonna stay here in the wood. Especially because when we get to the end of the movie with Mike, where Roland tries to get Mike to side with him, but because Mike is for the most part the kind of mo- probably the most intellectually intelligent of the three of them. He's the most thoughtful one of the three of them. Um where mike tries to empathize with roland but then he turns around and says i see what slim is saying that you know you know be a man dude like make her move here and get a job here and you stay here and of course roland is very much right by calling him out about alicia because he sabotaged his relationship with alicia in order to stay in la he could have gone to new york with alicia went to school and did his own thing and him and alicia continue his relation, their relationship because clearly we see at the end of the movie there's very much still a thing going on between Mike and Alicia and which Mike actually finally gets his stuff together and is like hey how goes it back east and we get the idea that Mike is going to actually make things work with him and Alicia because clearly Alicia the big reason why she went back to the wood is of course Roland's getting married but Mike's there so let me see what's going on with Mike maybe just maybe we can get this thing back and Mike actually took what kind of what happened with throughout the day with with Roland and kind of put it into perspective of what was going on with him and I love the line that he uh that like I love what he says it's like you know it's a beautiful thing it's like you know you know it happened for Roland. Maybe one day it'll happen for Slim, but me, <laughs> I was going to the first day that she walked in my classroom, so he knew that she was the one, he absolutely knew that Alicia was the one, and he did not use the right side of his emotional intelligence to say, hey, I know I got all this pressure from Slim and Roland to stay home and stay with them, but I love this woman and I want to make this woman happy because it makes me happy. And I know I love my boys and they're still going to be here for me, but I don't want to sabotage this thing that I have with this woman. So y'all going to be mad at me. I get it. Y'all can come visit me in New York. I'm going to go to New York. I'm going to go take the admission to NYU instead of going to uh, USC. And I'm going to go there and I'm going to maintain this, and I'm going to continue my relationship. Because clearly we see we get to the end of the movie with Alicia and Mike that absolutely that spark is there. We see it from the moment she walks in the door as he's hugging his mama. We see it during the wedding reception and then we see it at, we see it during the wedding. And then we see it at the, at the, uh, at the reception where they dance together. And he says to her, but you're dancing with me. And they embrace and they hug and then he asks, us, so how cold is it back east? And then you see that look on her face of like of joy that's like oh, this fool gonna actually come back with me? Oh, he's gonna come visit me? Oh, snap. It's lit. So that's emotional intelligence and in work is the conversation the three of them have. It's slim coming to the realization that okay, maybe I'm not quite, I wasn't quite right Because clearly me saying that, you know, being upset with with Roland because he's possibly moving away, drove him to the point where he just wanted to run away from the wedding. But he still isn't right by not saying that Roland's being a man by, you know, wanting to follow his wife where she is with the good paying job that she has. He's not right in that regard. Um, we see the emotional intelligence of slim coming to, of Roland coming to the realization that, you know, I'm about to sabotage this thing because I'm afraid, because I'm afraid of all the changes going to happen. I'm going to move away from my friends. Um, they might be upset with me. Well, you know, both of them. Yeah. They, They might be upset with me because of the decision I'm about to make, um, that, Ultimately, this is what's going to be best for me. It's going to be what's best for my wife. And it's the decision I need to make. We see it with Mike where he's finally confronting what he's run away from from all this time is that, hey, these are my brothers and I love them. But I might I might have to move in order to follow the, the love of my life because she hasn't come back to the woods. She's in New York. Maybe just maybe I have to move away in order to follow this because I see how happy Roland is right now. And I want that for myself as well. So I'm going to have to do this for me. And Slim will be okay and Roland will be okay and we're still going to be boys, you know, and we're going to find some way to maintain our friendship. So that is the topic for today. That is emotional intelligence, both good and bad. So thank you so much for listening to the captain's couch and listening to me kind of go in on uh, something that has very much been on my heart and mind as a mental health professional for quite some time that I've watched see play out, especially on social media in the past couple of years. Um, So thank you so much for listening to the captain's couch guys. Um, Leave a five star review, um, subscribe to the podcast Follow me on social media at Captain Ingenuity at Captain's Couch on Twitter. Uh, Captain Ingenuity on Instagram. Follow the page on Facebook at the Captain's Couch. Um, you can find me on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, all over the places. Um, still I not heard nothing on Pods of Color or iHeartRadio, but we'll get there. Um, thank you so much for listening, guys. Um, send an email at uh Captain Couch, Captain's couch 84 at gmail.com um see a di- send a dm send a tweet on uh twitter hashtag captainscouch um let me know that you're listening let me know give me some feedback about my my uh take on dr mark johnson and on my take on this this episode guys thank you so much for listening y I'll right. take it easy we'll see you next week peace congregation would you turn your text to the book about cast chapter 2 verse one the first one to feel me jump up and make a joyful noise use our cast it meaning now you have a choice like that you